We're going to be looking in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4 tonight, as well as in John, chapter 1. If you want to turn to those. Brother Gibson came in this evening and said something about pouring it on. Made reference to a skinning or something like that. I don't know that I'm capable of skinning. And I'm not sure that sounds very appealing, even from the pastor's side. Would you bow your head with me for a moment as we look to the Lord for his help? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we pause and bow before you at this point of the service because we need your special touch. It's not in our own human strength, our own human wisdom, or our own ability that we will succeed in anything in this message tonight. It's only by your divine anointing that would help the speaker as well as each hearer that you would prepare our hearts to be receptive to what you have for us out of your word these next several Sunday nights. We ask for your divine touch right now, right here, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about being a disciple. And this evening I have very limited, very few words to say. Uh, I'm going to look mainly at the scripture. Last Sunday morning somewhat began... Uh, this particular topic, though I did not in any way tie it in, but it really was uh, the preface to where I want to go. And that preface, if you remember, that message last Sunday morning was talking about the two men that Jesus named one foolish and one wise. They were builders. The parable of building it upon a rock or upon the sand been around the Bible very long and read the Bible very much, you know that the one that built on the sand had a disastrous end. The one that built built the house upon the rock had a successful, satisfying life as he uh, built it upon something that was uh, solid. And that's what we need. We need to keep that in our mind, that we are looking at a building. We are looking at a foundation. We must maintain the reality that there is a foundation in our lives that must be God and his word, the foundation of his word. There's nothing else that is going to be stable, nothing else that is going to be satisfying. There is no way that we will have the joy and the happiness that we long for without having him as the foundation of our lives. And I want to look at this subject of being a disciple. It's probably going to culminate, some here in in the next few weeks, culminate in three disciplines that Jesus provides us out of Matthew chapter 6, I believe it is. Three disciplines of a disciple. But for this evening, I'm going to look here in Matthew chapter 4 and John chapter 1. So if you have your Bible open there, you want to follow along in the reading. I'll begin with verse number 12 of Matthew 4. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelled in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali. 
that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulun and the land of Nephthalim, in the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now, I want to stop there. I'm going to continue reading in just a moment, but I'm going to stop there because this is an important aspect of being a disciple. What we find here is the darkness of that age, the darkness of that era. They didn't have a prophet for 400 years. There was also a lot of Phariseeism going on, people that were pressing in with additionals and, and extras. And, and there was all kinds of things, not to even mention uh, bringing in the aspect of the Roman Empire and the Roman rule. <coughs> there was a spiritual darkness that was on the land. I believe that that's what he's mainly speaking about here when he's talking about this darkness. I spoke about it this morning and probably was uh, overlapping into tonight because I, I really shouldn't have been talking so much about darkness this morning, although it worked its way in. <coughs> we find a lot of darkness today. You don't have to go very far down the street. <coughs> you don't have to go very far beyond your house and you'll run into some darkness. There's darkness in relationships, darkness that provides and brings division in relationships, in homes, in families, in circumstances. There's darkness all around us. It seems as though evil is always present. It seems as though every time righteousness makes a step forward, that evil presses two steps harder. Sometimes it seems that way because the devil wants it to seem that way so that we'll become weary in well-doing. You know what I mean? The Bible says don't be weary in well-doing. There's a reason why it says that, because there's a possibility of us becoming weary in well-doing. Not only does the Bible say that, but I say that because I've experienced that. You can get tired of pressing against and fighting against the darkness that is around us. We were reminded over and over again, we're reminded in Scripture that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness. So when I read this here, verse number 16, that people sat in darkness, we can take it right out of the context of Matthew chapter number 4 and place it in Martin County 2024. Right now, right here, today. I think about these students that go to universities, go to college and secular places, and those of us that have never been there have really no idea except what is told to us, but we're told over and over again that those places, some of those places especially, are the seedbeds of darkness and evil. I know when I lived in Evansville, I didn't know much about it at first. I only heard a little bit about it. But across the road from the University of Evansville on Bakey Avenue, there was a little place. It was a club sort of thing, and it was called The Abyss. 
doesn't sound too awful bad until you begin to look into it and see what's going on and realize that this abyss was really truly an abyss of darkness, of satanic work that was taking place right across the street from the University of Evansville. And it was placed there for the purpose of reaching in and influencing the young people of that university. I don't think we have anybody attending there now, but we had some back in the day. I believe that uh, there were one or two of our congregation past that attended that school. It was alarming as the more I realized what was taking place in that club. You know, it was called a club. It was called a a gathering place. It really wasn't called what what it truly came out to be. It was simply a place of spiritual darkness and oppression to light and an oppression to righteousness. There was a people that sat in darkness. There are still people that sit in darkness. You say, well, what does this have to do with being a disciple? It has everything to do with being a disciple because Jesus came as the light that was placed into and inserted into that people with great darkness so that light could spring up. Light is sprung up. They that sat in darkness saw a great light. Being a disciple means that you and I are placed in our positions, in our places of responsibility, in our places and and, and spots of influence for what purpose? To be that light for him in the darkness that's around us. If we turned off all of the lights and left just the light on that's shining on the stained glass window here, It would still be somewhat dark out there, but when we turn that light off, it becomes dark. No light at all, it becomes dark. And if I were to light a match right up here in the front, it's amazing how much light that little match provides in the midst of such great darkness. You say, I can't do much. I can't shine very bright. If you're shining at all, you're shining in the midst of a darkened world. And you are placed in that position. As a Christian, you are a light to this world. Even as Jesus himself springing up was a light to the darkness around him. Whether you're a small match or a two million candle power spotlight. It doesn't matter whatever your power is in light, your representation of Jesus Christ in your life is a light to the dark world in which you live. The people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now let's continue our reading there in verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here he is. He's beginning the process. He's telling us about himself becoming that light. Jesus 
walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. (coughs) Jesus called his disciples. Let me stop here again before we move on to John chapter 1. Let me ask you just a rhetorical question that only you can answer. Husbands, your wife can't answer. Wives, your husband can't answer. Kids, you have to answer. Your parents can't. Nobody can answer it but you. Have you been called to be a disciple? Has he called you? He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Has he called you to be a disciple? If he has, then this is for you. In some capacity, we have a responsibility to be a disciple, a follower of him, to represent him, to shine the light for him. We have some responsibility in that somewhere. Let's move on to John chapter 1 verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he, John the Baptist, said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek you? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where do you live? Where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon... And saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Are you hearing this? These people were following Jesus. He's a light in the midst of the darkness. He really hasn't done a whole lot of activity yet. There's not any any great grand miracles that have taken place. He's just simply walking around and there's a light that is shining from him in the midst of a great darkness. People are looking at him. They are seeing him. He is living in front of them. And somewhere in the midst of this person's life, he said, I, we have found the Christ. Does that make your heart hungry? Oh, God, so saturate me that somebody can see Jesus in me. They saw Christ. They recognized him as the Christ. Christ. 
And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted as stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. And he found Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, the prophets, did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Martin County? Can any good thing come out of the Montgomery family? Can any good thing come out of the Albright family, out of the Servants family, out of your family? Can any good thing come out of? Don't be offended by that. Don't be offended by that. Because the only thing that makes us of any value to society or to culture is his light shining through us. It wasn't simply that Jesus came out of Nazareth. It's that he came from heaven out of Nazareth. And if we are to be successful in our own spiritual endeavors of being a disciple, it's going to be the same thing that Jesus came into our lives, into our existence, into our persona, into who we are to make us a light to those that are around us. Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And then Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. If we could paraphrase that, he was saying that this individual, Nathanael, was an upright. He was a good man. He was an Israelite, a good person. Followed righteousness, wanted and hungered for things of God. There, was, there wasn't too many things that he could maybe pick on in the way of this man's life. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, that, those three words there, I saw thee, in the King James, really has a whole lot deeper meaning than simply he saw him with his eyes. You see that going on with young people, you know, they're, they're, they're watching, somebody's watching. It was way more than Jesus just simply saying, I saw you underneath that fig tree over there. There was a knowledge. There was something that went way beyond simply the visual aspect. Jesus saw him. Jesus knew him. Jesus understood him. And somehow, somehow Nathaniel recognized that. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? You're going to see some much bigger things than this, he said. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
And so I want to sum it up here this evening with just simply again, has he called you to be a disciple? Have you responded to that call? Are you a light in the midst of the darkness around us? You're in that position for such a time as this. It's easy for us to cower. It's easy for us to shy away. It's easy for us to say, I can't. My light's not bright enough. But be the light and let God take care of pushing the darkness. Sometimes we're going to have to step up and push against the darkness, though. There's a lot of darkness that's pressing in around us. And that darkness has a tendency to grow as sin abounds. We, somebody, needs to step up and press with the light of Jesus Christ against the darkness. You say, well, let's reserve that for the evangelist. The evangelist that comes will be, will be uh, 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 cornered here within the sanctuary, but your lives are the ones that goes out into the community. Let's save that for the pastor. Well, that's a good thing to do too, but uh, once again, we are all in it together as a light in the community. Brighten the corner where you are. You can't brighten mine. I can't brighten yours. But brighten the corner with the light of Jesus Christ shining through us. Through you. Pressing against the darkness. Let's stand tonight. Being a disciple, God help us to be that, that good disciple, that proper disciple, that shining light to a dark world. Praise God. Praise God. It's really been good having Jared with us these last few weeks on Sundays. He's fixing to head back to school. So before he goes, would you dismiss us in prayer tonight?